Mile High Magic is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. The Broncos have a home game coming up against the Chargers. To get in the door at the lowest possible price and the best seats possible, check out GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score the last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense in 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness! What a play! Well, from one of their best halves of football to one of their worst halves of football, it was quite the day yesterday in Minnesota for the Denver Broncos. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside Mile High Magic. Alongside my partner, Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. Glad to be with you as we uh, recap a 27-23 loss to the Vikings, the Broncos falling to 3-7. and seven. And Nikki, I figured in the spirit of yesterday, we would start with all the good things that happened in the game and then wait until the second half of our podcast to talk about all the bad things that happened in yesterday's game. It's only fitting. You know, that's the way they did it. That's the way we should do it, right? We pro- we promise we won't go 60 minutes, um, but we will divide it equally into uh, into good and bad. And, and there was certainly a lot to take away from yesterday's game, including that second half collapse. And we will get there. But I think we should start with with what we saw in the first half and what we saw from that Broncos offense. I mean, Nikki, at halftime, we were sitting there like, who are these guys? Right. I mean, I mean, what was that play calling with the Cortland Sutton pass to Tim Patrick? What are what are we looking at here and where has this been all year? And it was like, heck, yeah, up 20 to nothing at halftime. This is a whole new whole new world. And then, of course, it all fell apart. But I thought what they what they did offensively in the first half was really, really good and something that they can build on moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the play calling was wild I thought it was fun that's what was great about it It was fun and it was productive I mean this is a team that has struggled to score 20 points in a game let alone a first half it was something that Chris Harris actually brought up our offense does not score 20 points we have to take advantage of it um but everything everything was clicking for them on both sides of the ball too I mean the defense was lights out um you know Stefan Diggs didn't have a single target let alone catch um everything was working they had two takeaways um three sacks you know 142 passing yards the run game was there third downs even you know they were not great but it's better than what they've been they were two of four in the red zone I mean things were clicking and you thought all right if they build a lead this big there's no way they can lose it right and then they yes. did, of course. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody saw that coming, especially when CBS Sports throws up the graphic of the fact that teams that were trailing at halftime by 20 or more points over the last five years were 0-99 
0-99, and go figure, it would be the Denver Broncos that would be the one team that would uh, allow that one comeback victory. But I, I think you're right on in the play calling. I loved it, especially from the get-go. The play action deep pass to Sutton to start the game, I thought it was beautiful. Brandon Allen overthrew him, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway because there was the penalty on Tim Patrick. But I was like, okay. I really like this a whole lot. And then, you know, the the Sutton pass to Patrick. And I thought that Brandon Allen hit some really, really tight windows. I think he had some throws that he would have liked back. But I think back to that touchdown pass to Troy Fumagalli. I think there was a pass in the third quarter to Cortland Sutton that he put on a rope that Sutton was able to, to haul in. I thought he had some really, really nice passes. And it, to me, was the offense that we had been waiting to see, right? And I think that was a big question going into the game was what are we going to get from Rich Gangarello? And and we hadn't been getting what we thought we were going to get for the majority of the season. And then we started to see some good things in the Browns game. And then I thought we saw some really good things uh, in that game, especially in that first half. Yeah, I, I like what Brandon Allen has done or what he did through the first three halves of his NFL career as a starter. Um, you know, I like that they took shots. He he throws a pretty ball and he's got an arm. I I think it's a bit underrated possibly because nobody knows who he is really. Um, so anytime he, he does something well, it's going to surprise, but he looks in control. He can, you know, he's got good vision. He can see when a blitz is coming, which was something that previous quarterback could not see apparently. Um, I just like the way he runs the offense, and Rich Gangarello did a nice job to ensure that the game plan, at least for the first half anyway, really fit him, much like the game plan for Cleveland really fit him. Um, it didn't feel like he was playing out of his capabilities or playing beyond his capabilities, but they were able to get significant production. And you know, He's thrown some, as you mentioned, some really great balls that – that 50-50 to ball to Cortland Sutton was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Um, I just I just don't understand still, as I've gone through the tape over and over and over, how does it just completely fall apart like that? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, it's – I don't think anybody I don't think anybody has the answers, no. right? Well, and I think it's a little bit of, of everything. Problem. It's not one thing. You can't pinpoint one person, um, one role, one unit even. It was, you know, a complete – team effort um but they did show what they are capable of when everything works it's just how can they keep it working for four quarters yeah and I think they showed it on on both sides of the ball too I mean obviously you know when I look at this game I I point more to the defense and I think that this collapse is really more on them than it is on the offense and yes the offense could have been more productive um but but to me the defense and allowing Minnesota to score four touchdowns in the second half. They scored a touchdown on every single one of their possessions in the second half. I mean, how crazy is that? You go from holding Kirk Cousins and that Minnesota offense to fewer than 50 points in the first, or excuse me, 50 yards in the first half, and then they score every time they touch the ball in the second half. I mean, that to me was was really, really questionable. And and I think that the hurry-up offense obviously really hurt them. Um, And and it was kind of like shades of what we saw in the Bears game and in the Jaguars game. You know, the the theory there was these guys were kind of beat down late in the game in terms of the defense. And obviously, they had some questionable penalties, but they also had some big mental lapses as well. And to me, what happened yesterday in Minnesota 
was really similar to that. When you look at Kareem Jackson and the big play to Stephon Diggs, the touchdown where Kareem Jackson said, yeah, I was out of place, you know, and I should, I should have been in a better position to help Chris out on that. Then I don't know why they decided to have Devonte Harris line up on Stephon Diggs prior to that. Um, that was the 44 yard completion to Diggs. That one didn't make any sense to me. And then I don't know what happened on the Kyle Rudolph touchdown and why he was so wide open. And so I don't know if it was the the physical part of it or the mental part of it. I think it was a little bit of both. And maybe the physical part leads to the mental lapses. Um, but, but that was on the defense to me more than it was on the offense. Absolutely. And what's odd is the pass defense has been the most consistent part of the Broncos all season, you know, offense, defense, whatever. It's been the most consistent part. They've been in the top six since the second week of the season. Um, and they, for the most part, they had gotten better up until this half. Um, but there were just mistakes across the board. There there were a couple penalties that just were unnecessary. Um, assignment issues. I mean, Devontae Harris flat out got beat on that go route by by Diggs, um, I, I just, you just wonder sometimes, like, how does it change that drastically in-game? Um, you could see it more if it were week-to-week, if they were coming off, you know, a really rough stretch in the season, um, and they just kind of let off the gas. But to have those extremes in the same game is just odd. I mean... Vic talked up. And they had chances. They had so many chances. That's the thing. Which is part of what's frustrating. Yeah, but that's, you know? that, I mean, like that's Minnesota. the story of the season of the last few years, really, is, yeah. you know, this team is not bad. I look at the statistics. I, they, they're they almost a top 10 defense across the board outside of their sacks and takeaways. I mean, total yards, rushing yards, passing yards, scoring, red zone, third down, whatever. Almost in the top 10 all the way. Yeah, they're three and seven, and they have like these disastrous halves. It just it doesn't add up. So then you you inevitably turn to coaching. Is it preparation? I don't think it's either of those as well. So it's how do you fix it, right? And that's that's the million dollar question. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Vikings converted a couple fourth and shorts in the third quarter. They had a third and 14 after Draymond Jones gets his first sack of his career, a third and 14 that the Broncos let him convert. Then they had a third and 10 Duke Dawson gets the holding penalty. And you're just like, then on the, on a third and five, I think this was the one that led to the Rudolph touchdown. Devontae Harris is guarding digs and he runs a eight yard out route. He's got like a four yard cushion. He's wide open. It's not even contesting. You're like, what are you doing? Yep. Like, yep. duh, of course you're going <laughs> to, of course they're going to try and go to the best player on an, on a down that they really need to get. So that to me is, is really frustrating too, because they had chances to get off the field and then they simply could not do it. Well, Vic mentioned that too. He said he thought early they played too soft outside and gave them some easy completions like that third and five, which set up the Kyle Rudolph touchdown. Um, but I also wonder if Devontae Harris altered how you know his depth at that point because he had just gotten beat by Diggs earlier. So, which to me makes me wonder why was he even on Diggs in that? Wouldn't you want Chris Harris Jr. Well, on Diggs? Chris got beat in too. That situation, <laughs> Chris, stick him on old yeah. BC Johnson, man. Well, Chris got beat too by Diggs. I mean, Chris. Well, true, true. You know, love Chris, but every week he says he's shutting down the number one receiver, and every week there's a number one receiver that beats him. Um, 
But there, yeah, I mean, it it would have been. You would have thought they would have made adjustments after Harris got beat twice on that drive, first by Diggs and then on the touchdown by Irv Smith, where they had kind of the two-level thing going on. Um, but this is where I think, you know, we're starting to see the youth in inexperience. I mean, Devontae Harris arrived late, didn't have much experience in Cincinnati. Duke Dawson didn't play at all with the Patriots, arrived late as a waiver claim. Um, you know, I, I think they were able to hold it together when, you know, this group of 11 guys really first started in week five. Um, but now we're starting to see where that experience, the technique, just the details matter. I mean, it all plays into Vic's death by inches mantra. So Yeah, and it's it's not complete football. And, and what I mean by that is you have these defensive issues and then they get compounded by the fact that your, your offense has a three and out in the second half. And okay, that's going to happen. But the, the play calling as much as it was awesome in the first half, the third and one run to Noah Fant, like, what are we doing? Why, why are we trying to get really cute here? We have, you got Philip Lindsay, (laughs) you got Royce Freeman. What are you doing trying to get super cute and run that with Noah Fant? That's just dumb. Well, even even in the last three plays, you have Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, who both have had, by the way, multiple huge like 50-50 grabs. Just throw it to one of them. Like, Noah Fant, he's a rookie. He'll probably be a great player. He's not right now. He's kind of all over the place. He has his moments. Just throw the ball to Cortland Sutton. Like, the dude's a freak. I don't care if he's double teamed. Yeah, I don't. Right. He will get it. He's a freak. He yes. will get it. I don't understand that. I mean, that to me, that to me was the most egregious thing down there, and and I blame that on the play calling. And I know that Allen is sitting there like, okay, he's double teamed. I'm not supposed to throw it to him, but I don't think they put him in a position. You got the ball on the right hash. Stick Cortland Sutton to the bottom of the field. And let him go to work, right? I don't care if he's double teamed. At that point, you're four yards away. If he's out there by himself on an island, he can run an in route. He can do whatever he needs to do to get open. That, to me, was was really bad play calling and really bad yeah. execution because I'm with you. You throw that ball up there and you let him go get it. Yeah. And if you do that three times and you go to Cortland Sutton three times in a row and it doesn't work, then you tip your cap. Okay, congratulations, Minnesota. You got us. But at least you went down swinging with your best offensive play. Absolutely. And if I see another Noah Fant end around, I'm just going to walk Please out of the game. Please, God, let's never, ever run another <laughs> Three one. T- How many times do we need to see it fail before we re- retire it? They cannot protect for the Noah Fant end around. They cannot. I mean, just cut it out of the playbook. No reason to ever call it ever no, again. No. Ever again. Let, uh, They'll always, probably call I, it next week, I do week, a hashtag. <laughs> they probably yeah. will. I'll probably start the game with it like they did in Oakland because that was real smart. Um, you know, I do the hashtag let Fant run routes because that's where he's at his best. And that's what they need to do. Stop trying to get cute. Stop trying to take on the stop trying to ask him to take on the yep. opposing team's best defensive lineman and just let the dude run yeah. routes. Teach him like te- set him up to be successful. Teach him to block maybe in the offseason. He can't do it right now. Yes. <laughs> it's not yes. working. Just let him run his crossers and, you know, pick up a bunch of yards after the catch. The one that kind of surprised me is, and this is going to be interesting down the stretch, Jano, Andy Janovich dislocated his elbow. It was disgusting. I watched it three times, thought it was going to throw up both times. Like, it was, such a it was so gross. It was so gross. Um, so he's done for the season. 
So Andrew Beck, the guy they claimed off waivers when Jano had his previous injury, he steps in as the sole fullback. Well, he missed like at least a couple huge blocks. And that was surprising because he's been pretty consistent, kind of flying under the radar because he's not Jano. And I think many people just assumed he's a placeholder, but he's been a really good piece to this team. But after kind of the missed blocks there, I'm a little skeptical about what the offense is going to look like with no Jano again. I think that is something that is going to go uh, overlooked, is going to be overlooked this week. I think it's going to have a huge impact on this team. I really do, especially in the running game. And when you look at Jano, and if you take out the Jacksonville game, which was his first game back, uh, he got nine offensive snaps in that one. He missed the first three while dealing with that pectoral muscle issue. If you take out the Jacksonville game and five of the six games that he's played in, excluding that one, the Broncos have run for a hundred yards or more. Um, And I don't think that that is a coincidence, especially when you consider that if you throw the Jacksonville game in the four games prior to his return and including that Jacksonville game where he only got nine offensive snaps, they ran for a hundred yards just once. So I don't think that that is a coincidence that when he is in there, they run the ball better. And you heard Phil Lindsay talk about it earlier this week, or excuse me, earlier this season. I believe the quote that he was, was that they're like married, like a married couple or something like that. It was a little awkward and strange. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, but they have that type of relationship, and and that is going to affect this team moving forward yeah. uh, as we go through the final I mean, Jano picks up these huge blocks on on a lot of runs for Philip Lindsay. So. And he's huge I in play action, back, too. I did think the back holding call was, was a bad call yeah. um, in his defense, and that did wipe away a big run where he did get a, get a big block. Um, but I think that's going to be a big, big issue mm-hmm. there. Um, let's talk about the offensive efficiency late in the game. There were some issues and it kind of started those, the last two minutes, right? And that, that challenge call that Vic Fangio took. And I know a lot of people were upset that he decided to call that not necessarily because it was a bad call, but because we've seen that the NFL does not overturn pass interference calls, uh, whether they should or not. Um, I didn't necessarily have a problem. With I didn't that, either. I mean, given, the reward the timeout situation the risk. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was okay with that, but the Brandon Allen play on fourth and one where he runs, picks up the first down, doesn't get out of bounds. And then Minnesota bails them out by calling a timeout with 10 seconds to go. That to me, and there was a play earlier in the drive too, where he had a trouble with the headset. Those to me were, were basically Wow, this guy's still a young quarterback, and he's he's still creating issues that he doesn't necessarily have to create. I mean, I, I fault him and the coaching staff too. I mean, it was right when the clock hit fifty nine seconds. I mean, he got the first down on the keeper on the um, on the third and five, right? Oh no, that that was when he had a pass to Tim Patrick. Well, he picks up, you know, he sets him up to fourth and one. They call timeout, but they waste a ton of time because he can't hear in the headset. So there's a bunch of time gone. Fourth and one, he picks up the first down on a keeper, waste a bunch of time, and before they know it, there's 10 seconds left on the clock, and they're trying to squeeze three, maybe more if they could, plays into just 10 seconds. It doesn't make any sense. You had 59 seconds, and you wasted 49 of them. 
Yeah, and I think I don't know how that happens. Like I was, I was glad that they took the time out when they did because I thought that was smart. Um, but, but you're right; it never should have gotten to that point. There was yeah. clearly confusion there, and and so if you take the time out earlier, then okay, you you save yourself some time. The, to me, the most egregious one was him not getting up and spiking the ball after he was tackled, right. it was like 27 seconds. They spotted the ball at like 23 seconds and then they still couldn't figure it out. Spike the ball. Who cares if you lose the down at that point, you know, right. like that to me, they got bailed out by the opposing team taking a timeout. Um, and that to me just reeked of a young quarterback who was a little bit inexperienced. Um, and, and that showed, especially yeah. at that point in the game. But these are the situational things that you know Fangio practices every week because we saw it in training camp. I mean, he's he's big into all the situational stuff. You, we've seen them work on this stuff. Last-minute goal line, how do you handle it? What do you do in certain situations? I think, you know, the, the crowd noise played into it, certainly. It was so loud there, so loud. And just the circumstances, too. Yeah, I think it's inexperienced, but it's something that, you know, there have been clock management issues too with Joe when Joe Flacco was in there. Mm-hmm. So and it's one thing I'll... to practice them in practice. Right. It's another right. to be in a game situation and your just your second start ever on your first road game. Um but but still inexcusable. And that's a situation where they can get in the headset and say, spike the ball. You know? Like it shouldn't be that hard if everyone else in the world can see it for the guy who's a professional football player, the guy who's a professional football coach in order to make that call and and make it happen. Correct. Agreed. Now the Broncos would not have been in that situation had Brandon McManus not missed his fourth field goal of the season. McManus now 18 of 22 on field goals this year. Vic Fangio said it today. Yeah, there's a little bit of concern when there's good execution and he just misses that 43-yarder, which was a big difference in the game because if he hits that, then all of a sudden a field goal at the end wins it and you don't have to go for the touchdown there. Right. Um, and he, so, he said he knew as soon as it left his foot because he he said his, his foot hit the ground instead of the ball. And I, you know, this is something he does hundreds of times a week and it just – total miss and it was not even close i mean that thing was wide wide right Mm -hmm. which was pretty shocking because he made like a a, another 40 yarder earlier in the game but so the the question now becomes is is there an issue and he hit it from 47 like you said you know so i mean he hit one that was even longer than that um and to me no this is this is not an issue it is concerning sure but when you look at brandon mcmanus he's the eighth best kicker in the nfl right now given percentages of his 18 for 22 so you the devil you know is arguably better than the devil that you don't and exactly i more times than not i would want brandon mcmanus kicking that field goal if i'm the denver broncos well and i think his his biggest point of pride and i think this i think his record still holds is you know when he's missed he's never missed two in a row and that's something he prides himself in he never lets lets it spiral which i I think it's big. It's obviously something you want in a kicker, certainly, when you know there's so much at stake every time you step on the field. Um, but I, I, he can bounce back from this. You would have liked to have seen him be more consistent this season. I think he'll probably figure out what's going on in the offseason. Um, but I, 
who are you going to replace them with? Right. <laughs> you know, if you decide to get rid of them, I, I, I wouldn't trust anybody else more than I would trust Brandon McManus given his experience at this point. So I'm, I don't, I'm not terribly worried if we're going to pick apart something about the special teams. It is not him. No. And consider the fact that he was three for three prior to that field goal. Exactly. So if he doesn't make yeah. those three, you're not in this position as it is. And, and like we've said, I think we would take Brandon McManus over a lot of guys in the NFL um, yeah. as of, of right now. Hey, you had a really interesting tweet uh, today. It was a quote from Derek Wolf. Uh, who was talking on KOA Colorado. Um, what did you make of the fact that Von Miller organized a team dinner Sunday night when they got back to Denver um, and and kind of everything that transpired, at least through Wolf's version of what happened uh, at that dinner? I honestly think it's something that Von does quite often. This is kind of who he is. I, you know, it's, it's not something like, you know, oh, we, we just got our butt kicked. We need to all come together and have a coming to Jesus moment. This is who Vaughn is. You know, he's not going to be the rah-rah leader type on the field, but he is kind of the ring leader in terms of organizing stuff and outings with the team. So um, I wasn't too surprised about that aspect. I, I like the timing of it, obviously, when you're coming off such a brutal loss to have guys together and kind of talking about it and kind of figuring out where to go from here. I think what Wolf pointed out, which was, Interesting, and it kind of plays into the narrative we've heard from other players, is that they really do believe they're close. Yes, their record sucks. They don't like it. Um, But we've seen what they look like when they play really well and everything's working, like in the first half against Minnesota. But we've also seen how they can fall apart so easily. And, you know, this defense, you know, again, they, they rank among the top 10 in nearly every category at this point. But they have a lot of guys on expiring contracts. Derek Wolf is one of them. Chris Harris is one of them. Vaughn Miller has a team option. Uh, Todd Davis has a team option. Shelby Harris, Adam Gatsas. I mean, the almost. Well, I'm trying to think. The majority of their um, of their stars, Justin Simmons. Mm-hmm. It's, so many are uncertain for next season. So they feel like they're beginning to build something. That is quite good, and it's something that it takes time to build. Um, you don't just jump into Vic Fangio's system and run it perfectly. We saw that with this group, um, and now they're kind of wondering, will we even have time to see it through, to see what this can become? And unfortunately, that's just the way the NFL is. But that's what he was talking about with the team dinner. That's how the whole anecdote came up is, you know, he was asked about the expiring contracts and if players discuss it. And he said, yeah, actually we talked about it last night and, you know, we all, you know, we'd like to see this through. So, but you know, it's a business money talks. So I don't think any yeah, of the guys and, are going to take discounts after this season. And that's, that's the big thing, right? Like are guys really going to want to say, Oh, well, you know, we finished out of the playoffs yet again for a fourth straight season. Um, but we like what we're building and, and have a good culture. And I mean, you can, you can try and put on your orange and blue colored glasses and, and try and see it that way. Or you can see guys 
doing what's best for them and for their financial right. futures. And maybe some guys who are at the tail end of their career saying, hey, you know what? I want to go try and get one more ring, you know, or, or add another one and try and try and chase something. And maybe I can do that somewhere else and feel like I have a better shot at doing that next year somewhere other than Denver. So uh, I think it's going to be the really- ones I worry about are guys like Justin Simmons, yeah. who have experienced nothing but losing saw Chris Harris never be able to recoup the discount he took in 2014 and thinking, I got to get it now or I'm never going to get it. Right. You know, he's in his prime. He's at peak value. Does he feel like it's worth staying? You hope he's That's listening. If you're one. a Bronco fan, you hope he's listening to what Von Don't Miller said. Don't go. The other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, hey, yeah. well, I'm going to hang around because Drew Locke's going to be famous. And so I want to be here yeah. when that happens. You hope they're drinking that same Kool Aid that Von's drinking. Yes, we all want to be here when Drew Locke gets famous. <laughs> all right, let's get to some over-unders from our last episode. Uh, Nikki, congratulations. This is a huge weekend. Did I win? Huge weekend for you. Oh, uh, woo! <laughs> the, uh, Al- Brandon Allen total touchdowns. Uh, we set it at two. I was drinking the offensive Kool-Aid coming into the game. Did me well for about 30 minutes, and then uh, that did not end well for me. Uh, total touchdowns for Brandon Allen. We set it at two. I went over. You went under. He finished with one total touchdown, so you get the win there. Congratulations. Woo. Thank you very much. Dalvin Cook. I don't think anybody saw Dalvin Cook's performance. Come. No. The whole run game. Like, what? Yeah. No. And, and granted, they had to abandon it, basically, in the second half did the Vikings. But if you would have told me that they would have held Dalvin Cook to 26 yards on the ground and and lost, I would have been like, what What happened? Yeah. And then you yeah. would have said, well, they blew a 20-point halftime lead. And I would have said, oh, that sounds like the Broncos. Yeah. Um, we, had, <laughs> we had his total yards set at 165. He had a whopping 57 total yards yesterday. Uh, you took the under. I took the over. So congratulations. A, uh, another victory for you there. That improves you to two and zero. Oh. Uh, Philip Lindsay rushing yards. We set it at uh, eighty five and a half. The uh, total yards that Philip had were seventy five. He had sixty seven rushing yards and eight receiving yards. So we weren't anywhere close to that. You took the under. I took the over. So three and zero. Oh, you almost had the clean sweep. Except Von this Miller. This is encouraging pessimism, is Von, what it is. Von Miller let you down. <laughs> um, the uh, over under sack total for Von was one and a half. You and I both went over. Can we just change the name to Shelby Harris? Shelby Harris had a monster yeah. game. Monster. Three sacks. Hat trick. high for him. Uh, five won total a strip tackles. sack. Also, uh, yeah, the strip sack that led to a field goal, too. Um, Vaughn ended up having one sack, so that prevented you from getting. But he had the key third down stop in coverage. Doesn't that count? Oh, does that count as a sack? Uh, yeah, maybe. No, no, it doesn't. Okay, no, it doesn't. Hey, Um, I gotta try. Key third down stop in coverage. They didn't even win the game. How could it have been a key stop in coverage? It was in the first half when they were winning. Yeah, but just take your, here. take your three and one and over unders this week no, and be I happy with the victory. Um, I want to sweep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so up next uh, for the Broncos, another road trip out to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo team that picked up a big win in Miami. Uh, they've been kind of so-so, and I think uh, we all remember the the Broncos' last trip to Buffalo 
with uh, Trevor Simeon. Not an ideal outcome in that one. And um, that's when it all fell apart. That was when it all fell apart. That's exactly right. And uh, hopefully, uh, a it's already falling apart. Podcast. Maybe it'll end better. Right? Yeah. We've maybe this will be <laughs> totally the antithesis. Maybe this will be the thing that turns them around. They go on a six-game winning streak to end the season, finish at nine and seven, still miss out on the playoffs, and then end up with like the fifteenth pick in the draft. And uh, and, and we never get to see Drew Locke. Be worst case scenario. This is what happens when you experience two and a half seasons of really bad losses. You turn into us, where we're hoping <laughs> we're hoping a trip to Buffalo does not end as bad as the last trip to Buffalo. Don't become us, kids. <laughs> Don't save yourselves. In the meantime, you can check out Rainbow Skyline. That's our Nuggets podcast with Nick Kosminer and Kendra Andrews. They do a tremendous job bringing you all the news and behind-the-scenes stuff of the Denver Nuggets. Um, they record twice a week. They pretty much have that entire beat totally covered. Um, so go check out their latest episode. Um, they were joined by our Nets beat reporter, Alex Schiffer, and they kind of recap their the Nuggets comeback win over the Nets. Um, lots of good stuff there. So check out Rainbow Skyline. I'm jealous of the folks at Rainbow Skyline. Dude, I'm telling you. We should, ju- we should just like... Can we, can we switch places just, just for like over. one episode? Just, right? to, just like, let us guys- watch... A win, one win, and then we'll we'll leave you alone. Right. Yeah. Just you guys to come see to what our it feels podcast. like. Pessimistic Polly's over here. The us, weirdest part of the of the Minnesota game, I gotta tell you, is like we all thought at halftime, yeah, we're finally gonna get like a decent locker room afterwards. They're not gonna hate seeing us. It's gonna be great. It was completely silent in the locker room. But you could hear all the yelling and screaming. Of the Vikings right across the oh, hall. So no. Vic is doing his presser, and it's nothing but cheers and screaming by the Vikings. Like, this is it, it had the feel of the Cam Newton. Yeah, Super Chris Bowl Harris, Cam thing. Newton. Yes, I was just yes. thinking that. Yeah, so yeah, that was super awkward. We we're all standing around in the presser, like, do we. Do we just ignore what's happening right now or just pretend we don't hear anything? I'm surprised the Broncos press contingent knew what was happening. Like, what are all these foreign screams? Right, right. And the cameras were right against the wall, so I'm sure they picked up on all the screaming. It was really a good time. There's an easy way to avoid that, Vic. Just don't blow a 20-point lead next time. Yep, yep. All right, that is going to do it for us in this episode of Mile High Magic. Uh, We will be back with you later this week, get you set for everything you need to know about the Broncos' upcoming game in Buffalo. As always, make sure you rate, uh, subscribe. That not only helps us a lot, and we appreciate it, uh, but it also helps other people, uh, other Broncos fans like yourself, or just other sports fans in general, kind of see our podcast with the more rates uh, and the uh, and subscriptions that we get to. And uh, as always, if you have a comment or suggestion for us, you can always find us on Twitter at Nikki Javala and at Michael CBS4. All right, that is going to do it for us. Thanks so much for listening to Mile High Magic.